what is going to give you the feeling that you most long for from this trip? Just stay with the energy of it and the feelings of it. And once you have that cultivated, you can then plan from that place. And it's a very different experience than, oh my God, we've decided we want to go to Disney and now we have to hit the ground running and figure out exactly what we're doing to try to please every single person that's coming with us. To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. This is Spiritually Ever After, the place where Disney meets wellness and spirituality. I'm your host, Kitty Packman, spiritual mentor, licensed therapist, and major Disney person. This is the place where the magic of spirituality, self-awareness, and personal development meets the magic of Disney. You are safe to be your full magical self here. Now let's dive in. Welcome back, everyone. This is Spiritually Ever After, the podcast where Disney meets wellness and spirituality. I'm your host, Kitty Packman. I'm a licensed therapist turned spiritual mentor, major, major Disney person, and I am super excited to have you here with me today. We are going to be giving the top 10 tips for a Disney trip because I'm going to Disney World. (laughs) And this is my first Disney trip in about four years, which is crazy to me because there was a time in my life when I was going to Disney almost every year. So it's been a long time and I am so excited. Make sure you stick around for the full episode because I have a special surprise that I'm going to announce at the end, something fun that I'm going to share with all of you kind of in honor of this episode and of my upcoming trip. So I'm leaving um, in five days from when I'm recording this, but by the time it actually airs, it's going to be the next day that I'm leaving. So make sure you're following on social media if you want to keep up with the trip and see kind of all the behind the scenes. Um, But I really felt like I, because I have this trip coming up, It felt like, how could I talk about anything but going on a Disney trip for this episode? So I'm really excited to share with you these tips because these are things that have really kind of carried me through with all of my Disney trips. I, this will be my 11th trip to Walt Disney World. And I haven't, again, I haven't been in almost four years. The last time that I was there, I was with my ex and I'm not going to get into that trip because I'm actually going to be talking about that on another episode that's coming up with a very special guest. But this trip is, I'm going on a retreat. And this is the first time that I've ever gone to Disney on a retreat. And it's my first time going to Disney World in almost 20 years with friends of mine. So I'm close with Kate Apple, who's running the retreat. It's the Outside the Lines retreat. And one of the other women who is coming on as support, as a support facilitator and healer, And so it's going to be so fun to be able to be there with friends as well as to meet all of these wonderful new women. And for those of you who have never been on a retreat or kind of wondering what it is, to me, a retreat is some sort of immersive experience where people come together with some sort of shared intention, whether that's healing, expansion, you know, maybe business growth, something like that. Um, But So there's not kind of one way to go on a retreat. I think there's many different types of retreats, but basically you go on a retreat because you want to go deeper into something. And again, that can look different depending on the person and the retreat. But to me, it's really just this super immersive experience and 
obviously Disney is just a very immersive, detail-oriented place. And I know Kate is just incredible and it's just going to be such a special experience. This is going to be my fourth retreat in the last year and a half. And I, or third retreat actually, I think third, I can't really keep up anymore. Um, But the first retreat that I had signed up for was a retreat being run by one of my mentors, Jessica Rose, and it was going to be held in Sedona in September of 2020. And so she came out with this in March of 2020, and it was right when the world was shutting down, and we all knew that COVID was going to be something, and we knew it was going to be something big, but we thought it was going to be two weeks big, right? Not what it, I mean, it's still going on, right? And so I signed up for this retreat really feeling like this is going to be so huge for me, for the growth of my business, for my healing, all of it. And then September came and the world was in no shape for us to be going on a retreat in Sedona. So the the retreat was canceled. And yet I still firmly believe that investing in that retreat, even though I got my money back for it, ended up being a huge catalyst for my growth because it really kind of catapulted me into going big and showing up and saying yes to the things that I want to say yes to, even if they don't make any sense at the time. And it really kind of kick-started a big part of my spiritual journey and my journey as you know a healer and a leader in this wellness space because I signed up for that in March of 2020. And then by April of 2020, I was in a Reiki healing certification. And from there have then gotten a chakra healing certification, which actually was with that same mentor, Jessica Rose, which had a retreat in Costa Rica in April of 2021. And that was my first really deep immersive experience. We were in another country. It was with a group of women that I knew sort of from Zoom calls, but had never met any of them in person. I was traveling to another country by myself, flying by myself, and it was just such a incredible experience. I mean, we were staying at this beautiful resort that we had pretty much to ourselves. We got to spend time in the rainforest. We got we had this beautiful yoga chalet where we did all of our um, healings and just so much incredible work happened that week. Um, and I then went on a retreat in March of this year in Ojai, California. And that was through a embodied human design mastermind with Alicia Lauren, another one of my mentors who has been huge in my spiritual growth as well as in the growth of my business and my healing. And that, again, just really solidified how much I love retreats, how how much more myself I feel when I'm on a retreat and after a retreat, and just how much fun it gets to be that, you know, I, I know I always say this, that I'm someone who goes really deep with my clients and it gets to be fun. So it's like we're laughing as we're crying and we are just deeply in each and every moment. Um, so... I'm thinking, you know, deep, I actually almost called this podcast Deep Girl Disney because to me, that's really what it's always been about for me. And I think, again, that's why I love retreats so much is that they're so immersive. They're all about being deep in yourself, in your feelings, in your experience, in the expansion that you're working through, in the healing, whatever it is that you're focused on, whatever your intention is, it's all about going deep into it. 
And so I just love retreats so much. And when I saw that Kate was doing this retreat, I had, I reached out to her and I said, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing a retreat in Disney. I was planning on doing a retreat in Disney at some point soon. And we got to talking about it and it felt like, how could I not go on a retreat in Disney? It's two of my favorite things combined. And to be able to go on a retreat in Disney led by someone that I trust and look up to so much and to allow myself to just be a client in it. And to not have my CEO business hat on, but to show up just as me, as Kitty, and to get to just be in my own experience and to get to play in the parks and to not be thinking about clients and boundaries and all these things, but to be able to just be in all of my feels and all of my depth. And I am so excited. So let's dive into my top 10 tips for a Disney trip. So my 10th tip is to get into the energy of the trip first. So don't let yourself jump right into the unfun side of planning a Disney vacation. So don't jump into the financials. Don't jump into the details. Don't jump into the planning, even if those things are fun for you. Spend some time in the energy of what you want this vacation and experience to feel like. So... Thinking about who are you going with, why are you going, what do you want to get out of this, what do you want to feel like while you're there, what attractions and dining experiences and other you know shows, what is going to give you the feeling that you most long for from this trip. Just stay with the energy of it and the feelings of it and once you have that cultivated, you can then plan from that place. And it's a very different experience than, oh my God, we've decided we want to go to Disney and now we have to hit the ground running and figure out exactly what we're doing to try to please every single person that's coming with us, right? As opposed to, all right, we're going with as a family. It's been a long time that we went, since we all went together. And so the number one thing that we all want out of this is connection. And so we're going to choose certain experiences that are going to cultivate that connection maybe over other experiences or other attractions that we would think we would really want to do. But because this is the shared intention, this is what we're going to prioritize. It just allows you to really be clear and direct about what you want out of your trip. And so you kind of make the most out of it because as anyone who's been to Disney knows, it is not cheap. (laughs) So if you're going to do it, make it a real experience and make it be the experience that you want. Number nine is to know what you're doing or to work with an expert, which probably sounds kind of like, of course, but knowing how to book a Disney vacation honestly has basically become like a full-time job and the best tips are constantly changing. I know I used to very much consider myself to be a Disney trip planning expert, especially in like from 2015 to 2018, I went a lot. And so it was kind of like I was constantly watching all of these YouTube videos about kind of how to plan the best ways and all these things. And I had gotten really good at it. And now with Genie Plus and all of the changes, I honestly would, if I was not going on this retreat, having it planned by Kate, I would be working with someone, probably Kate, because she also does trip planning for Disney. Um, it just makes sense. And If you don't know, you can work with a Disney um, vacation planner for free. 
So basically they get paid from Disney, not from us. <laughs> so even if you think you know what you're doing or you have a pretty good sense of what you want to do for your trip, it still makes sense to check in with someone. If you, again, if you know someone good, if not, message me because I can send you someone good um, because they can often get you discounts that you don't know about and they can often get you discounts on something you've already booked. So even if you already have your hotel or your park tickets or anything like that already booked and paid for, you could still potentially get discounts if they exist uh, working through someone. And what I'll also say is that, again, Disney is not cheap. And Disney is very intentional with their pricing and how they how they plan everything. And so I know I've heard that basically if you are paying full price for a Disney hotel and park tickets, and they used to have a dining plan, I don't think it's back yet, but basically if you're paying full price for your hotel and park tickets, you're doing it wrong. There is almost always some sort of discount, whether it's bundling them or, again, there's constantly discounts coming out. Um, and even if, again, if you've already booked, they can retroactively help you with that. So highly suggest working with someone, even if you feel like you know what you're doing, if you haven't been to the parks post-COVID, because a lot has changed. Okay, number eight is to decide what you want to wear when you want to wear it ahead of time. And I know that may not be your style. That might be even a little controversial for people. And they might think this sounds crazy and that I have no spontaneity. But the truth is that these days, a lot of us are going to Disney, obviously, yes, to experience the parks, but also because we want to get some really cute pictures and videos. And we put a lot of thought into our Disney bound outfits or just in general, whatever we're wearing to the parks. And so if you plan on getting pictures in the parks, think it out of what you're wearing when <laughs> so that you make sure that what you're wearing is also going to work with whatever backgrounds you're taking pictures in front of to also think about how much walking you're going to be doing. And again, I'm going to get into this further down with um, <laughs> just I have a horrible feet. I always come out of Disney with, I kid you not, 10 plus blisters. I've, I'm trying to think of the most I've ever had. I would say probably pushing 20 blisters between both feet because I, it's just, right, it's so much walking. It's just a lot in Disney. And so I, it's, you need to wear comfortable shoes. So think about that with your Disney bounding outfits thinking about getting creative with comfortable but cute, you know, sneakers and things like that that go and or thinking maybe if you have a really cute Disney bounding idea that does have maybe a heel or an uncomfortable shoe or something uncomfortable in general and either bringing a backup option to change if you're going to wear it to the parks or potentially wearing that to Disney Springs or wearing it to a resort day and going and getting pictures at some of the resorts because that's a great way to spend a, you know, a free day at Disney. You don't have to spend anything. If you're staying on property to go to other resorts, you can take the bus, go right over, get some awesome pictures, look around and, and experience each of the different resorts because each one of them has such a unique and immersive vibe. Again, the Disney resorts are just so cool. Everything that Disney does is so detailed and I love it so much. Um, but I definitely also suggest bringing backup options for your outfits, for your shoes, things like that, because you never really know. I know at least for me, sometimes I think I'm really going to want to wear something and then I wake up day of and I'm like, what was I thinking? I do not want to wear that. So plan ahead with your outfits and definitely bring backup options. My next point, number seven, is to plan, but don't over plan. 
And this is something that I am totally guilty of. I had my first major panic attack, at least that I know of in my lifetime, but definitely as an adult in Disney World at Tony's Town Square restaurant. So I was in Disney for my mom's work. And we, because of that, we really didn't have a lot of control over our timing and the schedule and all that stuff. So I thought we were going to get down there a lot earlier. I think our flight was at, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 in the morning. And so I felt like, okay, our time is limited, but if we're getting down there that early, it probably makes sense to get tickets and have a park day that day. And I'll make dinner reservations. That way we can be flexible. If we get there early enough, we want to eat lunch, but we'll definitely be there in time for dinner and we'll have all this time to go on some rides before the fireworks. And of course it didn't work out that way. And by the time we got there, it was basically time for dinner. And then I'm thinking, oh my God, why did I tell them we should do a park day this day? We spent all this money. We're going to get to go on two rides. We're not. And it just totally spiraled. I ended up just being like, I need to go to the bathroom and went to the bathroom and just had a panic attack in the bathroom. Um, Luckily, I'm a licensed therapist, so I kind of knew what to do, knew how to lead myself through it. Honestly, it's just pretty much breathing through it for some therapists will tell you or will give you techniques to kind of stop yourself from having the panic attack. Something that I learned from one of my dear friends, fellow therapists and mentors, Margaret Christie, is if you do that, you're basically just squashing it and it will probably come back up as opposed to breathing through it, feeling through it and letting yourself just be in the experience that you're in and then maybe learn something like I have from the fact that, yes, you need to plan for a Disney trip. Yes, it will make it a better experience if you have a plan and you do not want to overplan, and you do not want to get so attached to your planning and to what you think is going to happen that you have a panic attack in Tony's Down Square restaurant because it was not fun and it was not worth it. And that is not, I have learned since then for sure. Tip number six is to think about all of the guests in your party when you're planning. So again, planning a Disney vacation is like a full-time job at this point, and it is a lot to juggle. And one thing that's really challenging is planning a trip that works for the entire party, especially if you have some younger kids and then maybe some older teenagers or adults who want adult time and don't want to be with children. And I think because Disney has so many wonderful things, it can be tempting to feel like we're going to miss out on things if we all stay together as a group, but you feel like you're supposed to stay together as a group. So this is permission that, especially if you're with a mixed group, it's okay to build in time where people do different things. People have different interests. People are in different age groups, right? And so rather than forcing the whole group to stay together, again, unless that's really the intention of the trip, letting yourself have some time where people get to do what they want separately and then coming back together and being able to share what you each did and kind of be excited about what your loved ones, your friends, your family, whoever you're with got to experience separate from you, that almost adds to the excitement and and just all of it, at least for me. So your permission slip here, your invitation, if you're planning and it feels like it's a challenge to try to plan everything for everyone to be happy all the time, don't, (laughs) don't. It really will be okay if you are not all together 24-7 for the whole trip. Tip number five is to know everyone's must-dos. So it 
would be almost impossible if you're going with a group of, I would say, five or more people to truly appease every single person and get to hit every single thing that they want to do. It's practically impossible. There's so much to do in Disney World. So instead, what I suggest if you're the one planning is to ask everyone in your party for their maybe three to five must-dos, attractions, dining reservations, entertainment, fireworks, you know, resorts they want to see, whatever it is, finding out what is most important for each of them. And ideally, even making that an open conversation, because again, that's that building of that excitement and the energy and cultivating what you want out of this experience. So maybe sitting down with your whole family and going through and saying, what are you most looking forward to? And making a list and getting to see how many are overlapped, because I'm sure there are going to be overlaps, but also seeing where people differ and maybe even then having a conversation of, ooh, that's so interesting that you chose Haunted Mansion. I didn't know you liked Haunted Mansion that much. And they'll say, yeah, well, I love, you know, whatever it is. I love Grim Gritting Ghosts. Uh, who doesn't? So I think that having those three to five must-dos for each person in your party and starting off of that foundation, that way you know that no one's going to miss the thing that they are going to Disney for or that really makes their Disney trip. And then from there, if you can get down even, you know, more into what everyone else wants to do, wonderful, but at least no one is leaving feeling like they didn't get to have the trip that they wanted. Tip number four is to build in time for rest. So if anyone has ever been on a Disney trip, they will tell you it is exhausting. It is so much walking. It's a lot of emotions. It's, it's, it's very hot. (laughs) There's just a lot. And again, it's not cheap. And so it's just, there's a lot of pressure. There's a, it's just a lot. And so really, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to build in rest time to your Disney trip. Ideally, if you're going for more than four days, I would say picking a day towards the middle of your trip and having that be your rest day. And you can really define what that looks like for your party. Maybe that's just laying by the pool. Maybe that's checking out some other resorts or going to Disney Springs. Doing something where it doesn't feel like there's pressure to get to the next thing in the park to make sure that you're getting there for your lightning lane or for your dining reservation or to make sure you don't miss the fireworks or get the good spot for the fireworks. Just building in some time for rest Again, especially for my people, my fellow friends who have bad feet like me, your feet will thank you if you build in rest. Tip number three is that if you are a social media or a picture or a video person, to really find that balance and to prioritize balancing your time so that yes, you're getting photos and videos of as much as you want, of all the content, right, of all the things, but you're also not missing out in the moment. Right. Again, I think a lot of people now go to Disney to not to get content, but it's a big part of it. And I haven't been there since, you know, post COVID times. And what I've heard is that there's a big shift in the parks, that a lot of people are there taking pictures, taking video, right? Taking, making sure they're getting good footage of the food that they're eating, what they're wearing, all the things. So, my tip, and this really goes not just on Disney trips in general, this is what I really try to do is. I take my pictures and videos, but I don't post them in the moment because I know that when I try to post something, even if it's just to my story, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about what I want to say. Am I putting music on it? Am I adding tags? Am I adding a location? It pulls you out of the moment. It pulls you out of the experience. 
And it makes that experience about someone other than you and who you're with in the moment. So yes, you want to share. I'm going to share from my trip when I'm there next week. And I'm not going to be posting in real time, most likely, because I want to be where I am. And so that's an invitation there again. Get your pictures, get your videos. Believe me, I will be getting a ton. And let yourself also be in the moment. Tip number two is kind of a list of 10 tips within the list. This is my be prepared tip. So this is a list of my 10 must-haves. When I'm in Disney, these are things that not only do I bring on my trip, but I bring with me in my park bag. So number one, had to go there, is my Band-Aids. I bring a variety of different sizes. I bring them all with me to the parks. I also bring number two on my list, moleskins, those little like pads that are circular with a hole in the middle. Because if it's a, a bad blister, but not so, so big, what you can do is put one of those around it, put a Band-Aid on top, and then usually keep walking, maybe add an extra pair of socks. <laughs> uh, number three on my list of must-haves for my Disney bag is some sort of either anti-chafe powder or anti-chafe stick. So I use one from Lush Cosmetics called Silky Underwear. I love it and it smells so good, but it really helps if your thighs rub together, if you have any other like parts of your body that just get a little chafed that are rubbing together, makes a really big difference. It's kind of one of those things that in the moment, if you feel it happening, it's irritating, but you think, okay, I can push through it. And then the next day it's, you can't walk. (laughs) So again, a mistake I have absolutely made make sure you plan in advance and bring something with you. And again, I highly recommend silky underwear because it smells so good. This one's pretty obvious. Number five, bringing comfortable sneakers. Make sure it's something you've worn before or at least worn around the house you've tested. You know it's going to be comfortable for in the parks. And then number six is to bring an extra pair of comfortable sneakers or at least some sort of comfortable shoes. I like to bring Crocs if you have a pair of Crocs. I never, ever thought that I would ever wear Crocs. And when I was in Disney the last time in December 2018, my feet were so bad. I was so close to buying. I I was, again, I was that person who had said I will never, ever be caught dead in Crocs and got to the point where I was like, I will do anything for my feet to not be in this pain right now. And if Crocs will help, they'll help. But they only had navy blue, which again tells you how much I really didn't want to buy them because I thought, well, that's stupid. If they were black or if they were something Disney, I would have bought them because then at least I'll wear them again. But navy blue is just stupid. I don't wear navy blue. So didn't buy them. Um, But then a friend actually ended up getting them for me, I think last year, maybe two years ago, uh, because we had been having a conversation probably about that experience and me being like, I never thought I wanted to wear Crocs, but actually they kind of seem like the most comfortable things in the world. And what I like about them for... Disney is that if you already have blisters, Crocs are really nice because you can put on a bunch of band-aids. You can put on your moleskins and put on a bunch of band-aids. You can wear multiple pairs of socks. There's a lot of room in them. There's a lot of kind of space to breathe in them. And something about the little bumps on the bottom, I don't know if this is weird to say, but they almost kind of feel good if you have blisters. I don't know if that's weird, but... Let me know if that is something that you also resonate with if you get bad blisters and have worn Crocs and kind of felt like, oh, this actually kind of feels good. Um, Going along with that, I would also bring extra socks, like bring a ton on your trip, but also bring an extra pair with you to the parks, especially if you're going on Splash Mountain or Cali River Rapids, anything that you're getting wet, wet socks are no good, (laughs) no good, and especially wet socks and wet shoes with feet that blister. 
My number eight must-have is snacks. A lot of people don't realize that you can bring snacks into the parks and they think you have to buy all the, the food. And obviously the food in Disney is amazing. So usually it's worth it, although it's pretty crazy, the prices. But you can bring things like protein bars, granola bars, chips, things like that, that will keep you kind of tied it over, especially if you're going to Disney at a time that there's crazy long lines. If you're going around the holidays or around any of these big celebrations, next year there's going to be a ton for the 100 year anniversary of the Walt Disney Company, things like that. So if you're going at a crazy time, you know there's going to be long lines, any school break, you know you might want to have snacks in your bag, especially if you have younger kids and you want to keep them you know, full and happy while you're waiting in these lines. Number nine on my must-have list is water bottles or a reusable water bottle. So I personally bring my reusable water bottle. I bring a Nalgene and people don't realize you can get free water at any of the fast, you know, counter service. You walk up, you get food from Disney. Uh, quick service, that's what I'm looking for. Any of the quick service locations, you can go up and get free water. They'll give it to you in a cup. You can fill it, your water bottle up if you want to. But some people say it kind of has a funky taste. Hasn't bothered me too much in the past, but I know it bothers enough people because they've come out with these tablets that you can get that make the water taste better. So if you want to bring a water bottle but think you're not going to like the taste, maybe getting those tablets. Or you can also bring water bottles in with you. Number nine, eight, nine, I don't even know what number we're at on my must-haves, is an external charger. So I had been doing this since I think my 2015 trip. I had heard about how helpful it is to bring an external charger with me. So I have one that has worked for me forever that's, you know, was inexpensive. I got it on Amazon. But they now have, they're called fuel rods. And again, it's an external charger. But Disney has these almost like vending machines throughout the parks that you can exchange if you already have a fuel rod and it's dead, you can exchange it, I believe, for free for a charged one. So I will, for this trip, be bringing down my current external charger, but definitely the next time that I'm doing a longer multi-day Disney trip, I probably will invest in a fuel rod and I don't think they're expensive. I think they're probably about $20, $25, but just because it's, then you don't have to even worry about keeping it charged. You could show up to the park with a dead one exchange it and start your day out with a brand new fuel rod. So I think that's pretty cool. And again, if you're taking pictures and videos, if you're going to be on your phone, if you're going to be posting and or even if you're just going to be using the My Disney Experience app a lot on your phone, your phone will die very quickly. It happens very, very quickly. So it's really helpful to have an external charger with you. And number 10 on my must-haves list is Tums. So in addition to my horrible feet, I also get really bad acid reflux. And obviously the food in Disney is delicious, but not always the most nutritious. And especially if your body is not used to eating that way. So I personally, I mean, I personally just always have Tums with me, but definitely when I'm going into the parks, I'm making sure that I'm bringing some Tums just in case. And then my number one tip for planning a Disney vacation is to stay in the magic. So yes, that could mean staying at a Disney resort if that's possible, if it's within the budget, if that's what makes sense for your group. And what I'll say there too is that I know I had said there are so many different Disney resorts with so many different amazing vibes. There are also different Disney resorts at varying, varying prices. So none of them are, you know, truly inexpensive, but their value resorts are not that bad. 
for what you get. They used to be better because that used to also include transportation to and from Orlando International Airport. That no longer is the case, but you still get free transportation around the entire resort um, and, you know, a bunch of other things that kind of go into it, early park hours, things like that if you stay on property. So looking into that, seeing if it makes sense for you, and there are even some at Art of Animation, they have family suites, for example. So that's a value resort. I know the last I looked, it's been a while since I looked there, but I think it was about maybe 400 a night, and it can sleep maybe six. So really not too bad if you want to really stay on property. But I don't think you need to stay on property to stay in the magic. To me, it's really just about staying somewhere that's going to feel like you're still in the magic. So I know for the retreat that we're going on, we have a house that's off property, but it's Disney themed. So something like that, or even if you're staying at another hotel that's not Disney themed at all, taking steps to put in those boundaries, maybe with work or talking about things that are not related to your trip that are going to pull you out of it, really kind of making that commitment to yourselves and to the people on your trip that you are going to be immersed in the magic. It makes a really big difference. And so those are my top 10 tips for planning a Disney vacation. And as I said, I have a surprise for you. So I made a Spiritually Ever After Parks playlist for you on Spotify in honor of my trip to get myself and everyone ready for all of the content that's coming. So if you're interested, if you want to listen to that, you can go onto Spotify and search for Spiritually Ever After Parks playlist. I'll also be sharing the link on my Instagram, so you can check there. If you can't find it, you can also always message me if you're having trouble, and I would love to send it to you. So those are my tips. I cannot wait to bring you behind the scenes, show you on Instagram kind of what's been going on. So if you're not already, follow me on Instagram, because otherwise you're going to have to wait two weeks after my trip to find out what happened. So... We on Instagram are spiritually underscore ever after and spiritually ever after on TikTok. Thank you so much for being here with me. And I cannot wait to bring you a very special episode after the retreat. We're going to do a retreat recap and some other special things. So make sure you are following. And again, if you enjoyed this, We would love to get a five-star review. We would love to hear what you think. If you have ideas for future episodes or if you want to be on as a guest, feel free to message me on Instagram. I would love to speak with you about it. Otherwise, we will see you real soon. Thank you for being here and listening. If you loved it, leave a review and or share and tag me. I would love to connect with you. I'm spiritually underscore ever after on Instagram and spiritually ever after on TikTok. See you real soon.